And welcome into the Magic Weekly Podcast. Jake Chapman here with you in our Magic Studios. We do this thing every Monday. A look back at the week that was and a look forward at the week that will be for your Orlando Magic. And it was a pretty good week. 3-0 and on the week when last we spoke. The Magic were coming off uh, a loss to the Indiana Pacers last Sunday at Amway Center. They finish off that homestand 4-1. and uh, That Pacers lost the only one. They had gotten a W over the Grizzlies um, the previous Friday. And a couple good teams in this week. And the Magic acquitted themselves quite well. The offense is coming around. Nick Vucevic is playing very well. Terrence Ross is back healthy. And I think... The key to this Magic team is Evan Fournier, and Evan Fournier has played very well through the last three. Let's start with the Philadelphia 76ers Wednesday night at AC, a 112-97 win. That got the Magic up to 4-7 and seven on the year. Of course, no Joel Embiid for this game, but Philly's still a, a pretty formidable opponent, even without Embiid. Ben Simmons got cooking a little bit in the first half, and, you know, Josh Richardson scored 19 points for them in that game. you got to be careful, of course, of Al Horford. Tobias Harris really struggling right now with his perimeter jumper, but he was able to impact the game um, in different ways. I mean, he had 8 points, 10 boards, 6 assists that night, but the Magic used a 32-15 fourth quarter to close the Sixers out that evening, and Aaron Gordon was outstanding. Um, he was 4-12 from the field, but he knocked down three three-pointers. He was 3-5 from long range, went to the free-throw line nine times. He finished that night 18 points, 13 boards, seven assists, a steal, and a block shot, and his head coach was uh, effusive with his praise postgame. Phenomenal all-around game, both ends of the floor. Um, you know, so Ben had 18-5, and five, um, and, uh, I mean, you know, A.G. played I me. Mean, I thought he shot the ball well. He was a playmaker. He got us going up and down the floor. And his, his uh, rebounding also, we had 13 rebounds. So uh, I thought he played just a great all-around game. I mentioned Nick Vucevic. It's been a, a pretty good run and a great week for him. 25 points on 11 of 18 shooting that night against the Sixers. Uh, 12 rebounds as well. Vooch has been outstanding. He's he's shooting the ball much better from the perimeter, whether or not it's the, the long ball or just the long twos. And when Vooch is rolling, I mean, he's got to be sort of the bedrock of this offense. And the playmaking going through him uh, has been really good the last couple nights as well. He was great against Philadelphia that night, 25 points and 12 boards. And one of the big things that jumped out of that game against the Sixers, it was the same thing on Friday night against the Spurs, was the free throws. And the Magic, look, they're a team right now that the perimeter jumpers are coming along, um, but they have been outstanding recently at defending without fouling and getting to the free throw lines themselves. The spread uh, on Wednesday night against the Sixers, they were 9 of 13 at the stripe. Magic were 26 of 34. So anytime you're shooting 21 more free throws than your opponent, you're giving yourself a whole lot of leeway there um, offensively. And then you can withstand stand a night, you know, where you shoot around 30% on threes. There were 10 of 32 that night against Philadelphia. So this Magic offense, there's going to be times where it goes sideways. And we saw that obviously at the beginning of the season. If you can get to the free throw line, you can make some easy buckets and you can sort of make some hay that way. And they were able to do that certainly on Wednesday against the Sixers. And then again, on Friday night against the Spurs, it's kind of a similar game. Like the Sixers game ended up being a 15-point spread uh, because the Magic just sort of put the, the pedal to the metal in that fourth quarter. Friday night against the Spurs was a little bit different. It felt kind of you know nip and tuck. The Magic were able to big, build big leads, and then they allowed the Spurs to get back into it. But again, you score 32 points in the fourth quarter. You kind of save your best for last. Uh, they scored 32 in the third 
as well on Friday night against San Antonio. A 64-point half for this Magic team with the way they've been defending, um, that's going to get the job done, certainly. And, you know, I mentioned Evan Fournier. Friday night against the Spurs, he was really the big key. 9 of 15 from the field, 5 of 6 from three-point range. He scored 26 points. And when Fournier is cooking like that, this Magic offense is very, very tough to beat uh, and very, very tough to stop. Here's Evan Fournier postgame on Friday night after the 111-109 win over San Antonio. Uh, you know, when we finish the game, we've we've uh, Tiros and I, and, and, you know, we both make shots and Angie makes shots. And, you know, it, it just spreads the floor and, it, you know, it gives us more more up, uh, opportunity. You know, when AG is at the four and, you know, under two, Tiros is at the three. You know, it feels like... The paint is open for Vooch, and you know it's good. So now you're cooking a little bit. You're five and seven overall, and you're three and one on this homestand. And you just had to finish business uh, on Sunday against the Washington Wizards before heading out on the road. And the Magic did just that. Uh, they allowed 44 fourth quarter points to Washington, and mainly that was just Brad Beal. I mean, the guy got cooking. That's what Brad Beal does. Front court come the Wizards. Look out. Beal for three. Big if it goes, and it does. And uh, just like that, here, we got a four-point game. Look at this guy. He will give us two seconds to breathe. Beal tried to keep him afloat, and he did right there. Three ball good. Still a four-point game. 123 left. Bradley Beal's got 31. Guess who just made another three? Bradley Beal has knocked down another one. It's a one-point game. But the story of the night Sunday was Markel Fultz. It's so it's gratifying to watch Markel just kind of come out, having his come out uh, coming out party. He was 8 of 10 from the field, and he knocked down his first two three-pointers. And so you know it's going to be a good night if Markel is shooting that perimeter jumper with confidence. Um, and he was outstanding, really, in all assets, uh, all aspects of the game on Sunday. 19 points. He had three boards, two assists, but he really had the play of the game, and that was this. The wing picked out by Fultz. He tipped it away from the smaller Isaiah Thomas. Took it down to the other end. Took it to the top, and he dunked it down. Magic lead by five, and a foul on the play. Uh, And beyond that, another all-star effort from Nick Vucevic. 30 points, 17 rebounds, and six assists. He was 11 of 14 from the field on Sunday against Washington. I mean, Vooch is really doing it uh, on both ends right now. And look, there's the boards and the and the scoring, of course, and that's what makes Nick Vucevic an all-star. But when he's getting you four or five or six assists a night, and when the ball is moving freely through Vooch, that is when this Magic offense is at its most potent. And Vooch has been outstanding the last couple of nights. You're going to have nights from Aaron Gordon. Um, obviously, Jonathan Isaac's been out for the last two. He's dealing with a sprained ankle right now. You're going to have nights where the jumpers aren't falling, or some of your, you know, your primary, um, your primary offensive players like Aaron Gordon or Ji or DJ off the bench or Evan aren't, you know, don't have it. The Magic need Vooch to be night to night what he's been the last couple nights. Uh, he was outstanding on Sunday, and he really it feels like whatever he was sort of trying to shake off at the beginning of the season. He's now shaking that off. And so between Vooch and Fournier, when you have them rolling like they are right now and you throw T. Ross off the bench into the mix, that's what this Magic offense needs to look like. That is their identity offensively is working through Vooch. Um, Obviously, you know, you want to make sure you're crashing glass. This is such a long team. They should be able to dominate on the boards and they're getting to that level. But the offensive woes have sort of subsided here. Now, you take it out on the road, the Magic have yet to win a game out on the road. So this week is going to be fascinating uh, with a couple pretty tough games. You're talking about the Toronto Raptors on Wednesday night. We've already seen them earlier this year. That is a very, very good team. They're just coming back off a long road trip. Um, they're not healthy right now. They still don't have Lowry back. Serge Ibaka is out currently 
uh, for Toronto, but they're still playing great even without Kyle Lowry. They're scoring almost 112 points a night. Um, they're allowing just about 107. They're shooting 45% from the field as a team, and the ball really moves with that Raptors team. Pascal Siakam so far this year has been absolutely insane. And with that, we head to the hotline to chat with my guest this week. Ryan Wolstad covers the Raptors for the Toronto Sun. You can follow him on Twitter at Wolstad Sun. Ryan, appreciate you taking a couple minutes. Uh, let's talk about the Raps' start to the season, 8-4 and four now. Are, are, are they surprising even Raptors fans with how well they've been playing early on this year? Yeah, I'd have to say yes when you consider that they had probably the toughest trip of the year uh, now just happened, and they've lost a whole bunch of good players. I mean, not to mention Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green leaving in the offseason, so I think people expected a, a step back for sure, most people, as much confidence as they had in the team. And you, you lose Kyle Lowry, who was playing like at a, a starting all-star level. like He was playing out of his mind, having one of the best uh, seasons of his career before he gets hurt, and obviously... Uh, Magic fans know Serge Ibaka pretty well, but he, he's been kind of a different player the last year and a half or so in Toronto. And he, he got off to a huge start off the bench. And he goes down as well. And, you know, just other guys, Ananobi has had his issues too. And so I think to come back from a trip playing that well, winning a bunch of games, and really they, they could have maybe even won at least one more. Like they're right in it. Uh, so I think they definitely exceeded expectations. And and any, any Raptor fan has to be pretty pleased with where they're standing right now for sure. What are the updates injury-wise? Uh, it's Monday, November 18th as we record this podcast. Lowry still out a couple more games, and Ibaka maybe just one or two? I think Ibaka might be a bit longer. We, yeah. we haven't, uh, they didn't practice yesterday because they just got back from the trip, so we're going to find out later on today. They also didn't shoot around to give them a bit more rest. Um, so we're probably going to find out later on today before they take on Charlotte exactly what's going on, but I wouldn't expect them back anytime too, too soon, so it's going to be up to the other guys to kind of hold the fort for now. We'll get to Siakam here in a minute because, I mean, he's fascinating. The jump he's made this year is, is insane, but uh, with Lowry out, you know, who's who's been sort of filling in and, and stepping up? Is it more responsibility to Van Vliet? Who, it, how has it gone without Lowry? Yeah, it's been kind of a combination. Fred Van Vliet obviously has, he was starting anyway, at, basically as the point guard, letting Lowry be more of the shooting guard, but with also some point guard duties. And when Lowry went down, Fred just went to full-time point guard running the show, and they've been asking him to score a little bit more, and he's been doing a good job of it. Even though his field goal percentage isn't very high, he, you know, his, his three-point percentage is sky high, and he's, he's done a really good uh, job with his passing and just his forays to the hoop have been really good. He, he's been really, really good for the Raptors. Norman Powell, they've asked him to step up a little bit, and he's, he's always going to be a pretty inconsistent player. But he's had some good games, especially on the trip. And then, you know, they've got Siakam directing the offense a little more as a point forward, and Marcus Saul has always been that sort of way as a, as a center who can really move the ball and, and direct an offense. So it's kind of everyone stepping up and, and doing it a bit by committee. What does it say about Nick Nurse and maybe even the construction of the team? Because you're right, you go through and you say, you know, Marcus Saul can can almost run an offense from the center spot. He's just such a heady yeah. player. We we know Siakam um, to to sort of divvy up the responsibilities of a player as well as Kyle Lowry amongst you know four of your five uh, starting lineup members. I, I I feel like Nick Nurse probably deserves some credit for all of that. Yeah, I said it the other day. I think if if you took a vote. I think I think I said this about two games ago. If you took a vote right then, I don't know how you don't pick him as the coach of the year at that point of the season. Like like I said off the top, losing Kawhi and Green and, and battling through those injuries and to have the Raptors where they are when everyone's talking about, you know, Philly and Orlando and or sorry, Philly and Milwaukee and a lot of people are talking about Orlando as well and, and 
and those other teams and everyone kind of forgot about Toronto, I think. So I think Nurse has done a phenomenal job. He, he kind of proved it in the past with his work in the D League. You know, he, he's talked a lot about how every day he didn't know who was getting called up and back when he was with Iowa and then uh, Houston's uh, team in what was then the D League. Uh, you know, he's, he's just used to this. He, he's basically the type of coach that adapts on the fly really, really well. And who's in, who's out, doesn't really matter to him. He's going to get his team to be prepared and to run the stuff he wants them to run. And, and they'll make do with who they have. So I think he has to get a ton of credit for what he's done so far. What's he like? It's so impressive. I mean, you don't hear of, of head coaches winning the title their first year, obviously. But head yeah. coaches improve, just like players do. And I feel like we don't ever give credit uh, to that. Is he improving as a head coach? Does he feel more comfortable this year? I mean, uh, he's a pretty unique guy, and, and he's got a pretty unique set of experiences, I would think. Uh, what's he been like here in year two? Yeah, I think it's just natural to, to you know, he has that experience of the championship year and all of the adjustments and everything. And then and just what, what he had to do day in and day out to get by Orlando and then Philly and then Milwaukee and then Golden State. Like, how can you not get better from that? And then just like, he seems a little more confident. He was confident last year, but just he, he's a little more assertive, I guess, maybe would be better, a better way to describe it. Like, he's not afraid to call out his guys. You don't see many coaches, especially second-year coaches, uh, calling out new additions like Rondé Hollis Jefferson and, and Stanley Johnson or or whoever he doesn't really care or Pascal Siakam you know the best player on the team uh, MVP candidate he, you know he didn't like the way he was fouling and turning it over and he he said that and he told him and maybe it's because they had a good relationship before because Nurse was an assistant he worked closely with a lot of those guys but I think it is kind of uh, unique the, the, like how assertive he's been and how unafraid he has been to be kind of hard hard nosed and, and calling out his players especially in this day and age where. I think there's a lot more coddling that goes on in pro sports. Yeah, absolutely. Ryan Wolstead, my guest from the Toronto Sun. We're talking raps uh, as the Magic gets set for their week. Uh, they'll be in Toronto Wednesday night. Um, with Siakam, I mean, he's he, he's it's a jump that you can't really describe. I mean, it's I everybody knew how good he was. Nobody knew he was at this level this quickly and that he was going to be able to take the mantle um, from a guy like Kawhi Leonard. What's the differences here? Is it the shooting? Is it the playmaking? Uh, what's the big jump that he's made so far? Responsibility is one thing. You know, he, he's the guy now. They said as much as Lowry was, was doing more, he's never been a guy that, that wanted to be the primary scorer. He always let DeRozan or whoever, or Leonard after that, carry the primary load, and he's a great secondary guy. So he was fine with, with letting Siakam say, okay, you're the man. And, and I think with that added responsibility, Siakam's just embraced it. He's been a guy who's always wanted more. You know, He's always thought he was going to be better, and he deserved more, and he would prove that he deserved more. So I think that's a huge, huge part of it is him just wanting to, to prove, okay, like I, I got most improved last year, but I'm better. I'm even better than this. Like, And, and I think that's been a huge thing. Uh, he seems a little... He's been more aggressive, I think, on offense, more and assertive, and, and all those things have sort of made a big difference. And it's yeah, it's just it's insane the way he keeps getting better. You know, the only thing I can kind of think of, and it's not exactly the same, but uh, T Mac before he went to Orlando, just his jump is between his kind of his early days with the Raptors until, and he was totally different because he was way younger than Siakam, so it's not a perfect comparison. But that's the only other time I've seen the guy just just go nuts, just keep getting better, better, and better. And then obviously T-Mac, when he got to Orlando, got way better as well. So I don't know, it's like Siakam, it's, 
it's it's just an insane story, just the way he, he keeps getting better and he keeps uh, exceeding expectations. What's his personality like? I mean, he it's not going to be long until he's on commercials and and getting marketed all across the states. Um, is it the Toronto thing? Is it the fa- is it the name? Is it the fact that last year he was kind of in Kawhi's shadow? Why hasn't he burst out onto I guess the main mainstream scene just yet? And and, and when is that coming? Is that something you think he he covets? But yeah, he wouldn't mind uh, getting more attention. I mean, he did the brand thing, the, the, the Pascal Siakam, you know, line of like all the Raptors seem to do. Fred VanVleet does it, and Norman Powell, and a bunch of other guys. It seems to be their thing. I think he wouldn't mind more attention. And I think, yeah, just last year, Kawhi obviously sucked up all the attention, and Lowry's a five-time All-Star and outspoken, so he gets a lot of attention as well. So I just think Siakam kind of blended into the background. And I think people were kind of stunned by what he was doing last year. And I think even more so this year, they're just like, wow, like what is going on? And I think he's starting to get that attention. I don't know. I think definitely from the media, like the national media is, is talking about what he's been doing. And I don't know. I think it's only a matter of time. If the Raptors keep this up and, and get a top three seed in the East and he, he's, he's averaging like over 25 points a game, I think then, then people are really going to, it's really going to start uh, building his brand in Canada for sure. He's already starting to get a lot more endorsements. You're starting to see um, more ads featuring in here. So it's, it's definitely starting North of the border. Yeah, I mean, the numbers are insane. And, and you're right, like, uh, he's your favorite NBA beat writer's favorite player, basically, right now, yeah. I think. Um, yeah, I mean, he's yeah, he's at 26 points a game, nine boards, uh, four assists, and obviously the the numbers through the roof and the usage uh, way up this year, and, and the Raps keep winning games. We talked about the injuries, we talked about Siakam's jump, we talked about Nick Nurse. What else is it that's kind of keeping this team afloat right now? Is it just the solid players up and down the roster. Like Van Vliet to me is is fascinating. But you look at Marcus Saul and I mean people assume Marcus Saul wasn't good anymore. Well Nick Vucevic will tell you Marcus Saul is still really good because he gives the guy fits. Um but just when you look at sort of the way they've been able uh to stay afloat early on the season with the injuries, is it you know, is there one or two things you can point to or maybe something that people aren't talking about that, that's kind of keeping this thing going? Yeah, I always kind of go back to just how smart these guys are. They just mm. know how to play the game. They're they're really well trained and they they're honed in. They know where to be on beat. Let's look at their defense. It's been outstanding, and the spacing on offense. And even with and it's tough to have with a guy that's unorthodox as a Siakam and even I guess Saul. But they just they know where to be. They know what to do. They're really well trained. They work really hard, and they have a ton of confidence. They believe that they're going to win. I mean, it starts with Nurse at the top and Dev Lee. That's his abs. That's his attitude as well, and Gasol's obviously won at every level. The thing about Gasol is he hasn't even been that good this year. Like defensively, he's been really solid, but he's shooting a career low from the field, averaging a career low in points. Like he's frustrated. He's tweeting about how frustrated he is. It hasn't come together for him, but it doesn't really matter. They just seem to find a way. Someone else steps up, and I think that's a testament of the the strength of the organization as well. They just keep finding these guys. Like Hollis Jefferson doesn't play the first bunch of games. He's frustrated. We see him at practice. When we, when we get let in, he's he's yelling and he's playing a spirited pickup game. And you can tell he, he's dying to be on the court. He wants to be out there, but he's not getting a chance. And then when they give him a chance on this road trip, all of a sudden he's guarding the best player on the on the other team. He, he's making a huge impact. And that's just they're just a bunch of dogs, really. These guys they they, they want to play. They want to play hard, and they know what they're doing. Tell me about Stanley. Uh, the, this is a personal question. I covered Stanley in Detroit. Uh, for a couple seasons, his rookie year, I guess, what, three years I covered him. Um, he is confounding because there's you see it. Yeah, I mean, you see the word. body, you see the physicality there, and it just hasn't clicked for him, and it doesn't seem like it's clicked just yet there in Toronto. And I know there was a little bit of a, 
uh, some back and forth. I mean, he can be maybe a tough guy, I guess, to to manage and and to coach. But what have you seen from him so far, and and, and how's he holding up mentally? Yeah, confound. He's a great way to put it because you look at this guy, and every coach that's had him, they say, "Wow, this guy." And he's proved it in the past he can guard anyone. And when Dwayne Casey and the Pistons came to town, we asked him about him, and he said those same things. He's like, you know, he definitely looks the part, and he'll give it to you. But for some reason, I don't know, he just hasn't put it all together, and he hasn't been able to. But I will say, he hasn't. You know, he hasn't said a bad word. He didn't respond really when when Nick Nurse called him out. He he's just waiting for his turn. And like I said, with this group, you never really know. Like, someone's going to get a chance. It looked like Hollis Jefferson, his old uh, Arizona teammate, was never going to get a chance, and all of a sudden he's playing. You know, it looked like Chris Boucher might not play, and all of a sudden he's making it back. Uh, Terrence Davis, it's just, this is a very, very deep, good team. Um, so it's hard. And with with OG Ananobi playing as well as he has, looking like a most improved player candidate himself, it's just where do you, how do you fit Stanley Johnson in? Like, yeah. You already have two great defenders at forward at Siakam and Ananobi. And then you have Hollis Jefferson coming in who's outplayed him. So it's just like, you know, it's kind of an embarrassment of riches. The, the problem for the Raptors is you don't want to, you know, sour him too much because he, he, he has another year on his contract, unlike some of the other guys that they brought in. Interesting. It's going to be um, it's going to be fascinating to watch the way that plays out. Ryan Wolstead, my guess, from the Toronto Sun, he covers the Raptors. Uh, tell me what you know about Jeff Weltman. Obviously, um, down here, I think people are on board with the front office here in Orlando for the first time in a couple of years. Uh, what do you attribute the success of the Raptors uh, franchise to over the last couple of years? How much credit does Weltman deserve, and, and what do you know about him? I know quite a bit. I mean, uh, Jeff's, Jeff's a good guy. Uh, you know, I covered his teams for, for quite a while, got to know him a little bit. He, he doesn't obviously like being in the media all that much, but but I think he deserves a lot of credit. He was Messiah Jerry's right-hand man for years. He he was his first hire when, when the Raptors lured him away from, from Denver. He's the guy he turned to. He's got a ton of experience. He knows the league inside out. Obviously, his dad was a which is GM for years, and like John Hammond, he, he has a certain type of player he really likes. So those long, athletic, uh, high-feeling guys. And you can see in a guy like Jonathan Isaac that that makes sense. And maybe the, the jury will be out on a Obama or whatever. But I like his approach to, to drafting. And, and obviously, he's, he can be kind of ruthless as an executive. He, there's a lot of stories here in Toronto about how Messiah was trying to make a deal. And he'd go to Jeff, and Jeff would say, no, ask for a little bit more. And that's how they end up with that huge bounty for Andrea Bargnani, of all people, from the Knicks. And, and you know, that's just... I think the Magic are in good hands with those guys, and I think it, it's good that the fans have some buy-in because I know it's been a rough ride for a while, but I think that's, that's a really good uh, group of executives there, and Weltman definitely knows what he's doing and should have them on the right track. Uh, I want to go back to Gasol. We saw you guys in late October, um, and of course we'll see you again on Wednesday. What does Gasol do to Vucevic? I mean, Nick has been playing some of his best basketball the last four or five games, and <laughs> just sort of looking forward to Wednesday. Like, can he keep it going with Mark on the other side? What What does he do? Is it Is it uh, a well placed elbow in the small of his back? Is it just how smart Mark Gasol is? Um, is it all of the above? To me, it starts with the smarts and the positioning. He's just always in the right positioning, and he knows what he's going to give him, what he's not going to give him, and. At this point, it's got to be in his head, right? Like, yeah. it's just happened so often. Like, I don't know. Like, he's just, well, I mean, this is one of the best defensive players of this generation. So it just makes sense that he's, to this degree, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But, I mean, he also, at times, shut down Embiid. You know, he shut down Brooke Lopez. He, he's just a, a great, great player. And I bet, as I said, I bet it's in uh, Vooch's head a little bit. But at some point, you, 
I don't know. If he doesn't figure it out on Wednesday, he probably won't ever. Because, like I said, Gasol is you now he's in his own head a little bit now. So that'll be really interesting. Two guys who are kind of both uh, kind of wondering what's going on on Wednesday. So that should be interesting. Yeah, we're going to need the uh, the team psychiatrist, I think, uh, courtside on Wednesday. <laughs> Ryan Wolstead with me from the Toronto Sun. I, I, I just wanted to ask you real quick about Fultz. Uh, we... You know, we're watching it sort of unfold down here, and he's so interesting. And, and you go back to, you know, Siakam. I think NBA writers and NBA media types across the country are all pulling for Markel Fultz. Mm. Is that sort of the way that you're watching him um, down here? And it, it, the kid is, Ryan, I, I didn't expect him to be this approachable. I, I expected him to have a big shield up and not trust the media mm. and not trust the fans and just want to go out there and play ball. And he does just want to go out there and play ball, but he's been so open with everything. It's been really cool to see how you've sort of been watching from afar. Yeah, well, that's nice to hear because I always heard he was a good kid. Uh, I'm glad that, you know, that's such a bizarre story with everything in Philly. And I'm glad to see that things are working out and that he's approachable and all that. I know I've always liked him. I, I, I watched him that year uh, at Washington and I found like, you know, how could you not enjoy watching him? Obviously, he's, he looks like a different player now because of all the changes and everything. But I remember talking to T. Ross about him and he he was very high on him. So I think it's the same thing league-wide. You know, it's just such a one is such a bizarre story the whole thing so people are intrigued but also you know i think most people think it must have been tough on this kid to be the number one pick with all that hype and to go through all of that and i think it'd be hard to find anyone uh, that isn't pulling for him to, to kind of turn things around so i think it's nice to see now that he's starting and, and starting to do well i think most people are pretty happy for him ryan i'll get you out of here on this your twitter bios is 90s hip-hop aficionado <laughs> carnell official or chaos Oh man, that's tough. Uh, I'm gonna go chaos because you know can't go wrong with Carnell. I'm a big fan of his as well. But I've actually interviewed Chaos for a story back in the day, and he was a really good dude. So that'll put him over the edge for me. That is the correct answer. Chaos is the correct answer. That is right. Oh, very well done. Very well done. Ryan Wolstad, he covers the Raptors, does a phenomenal job for the Toronto Sun. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. It's at Wolstad Sun. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for the time. Yeah, absolutely. There he is, Ryan Wolstat. Uh, does a great job covering the Raptors for the Toronto Sun. Jake Chapman here with you. Follow me on Twitter. It's at Jake Chapman OM uh, here on Magic Weekly. And, of course, a big thanks to Ryan. Uh, does a phenomenal job covering the Raptors and such an interesting team. I mean, they're 4-0 and at home, so the Magic, if they're going to go in there on Wednesday and get that W and get to 7-7 and on the year trying to chase that 500 uh, sort of watermark, that's going to be a big key. I mean, you're, you're going to have to go out on the road and beat some good teams because you got Toronto, you got Indy, uh, Detroit's playing, eh, okay, and we'll talk about them next week a little bit. And then you go to Cleveland, and the Cavaliers, you know, defensively, they're going to allow a whole bunch of points, but they've got a little something going offensively uh, as well with that young Cavaliers bunch, getting some good play right now from Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson, and Colin Sexton's been really good uh, so far for Cleveland. But it starts this week, the Toronto Raptors, and then uh, this weekend you'll be in Indiana to see the Pacers. Both those teams have beat the Magic already so far this year, and both of those teams are well-coached. They're just solid basketball teams, and Indy gets Miles Turner back now, so they're starting to get healthy, and we know, I mean, that that is a team that is not going to beat themselves, so Magic need to go in both games, Toronto and then this weekend in Indiana, and they need to play their game. you got to work the offense through Vooch, like I was saying. If Fournier is going to shoot the ball like he's doing right now, this team is going to be A-OK. Hopefully you get J.I. back uh, for that game Wednesday against Toronto. That would be key. It's Monday, November 18th right now. The Magic are off today. They'll have practice tomorrow. J.I.'s been out for uh, two straight games now with a sprained ankle, but hopefully he'll be all right. 
Got to see what's up with DJ uh, and that dislocated left pinky. Let's just talk real quick about DJ Augustine. Last night against Washington, he dislocates his pinky. He's writhing on the floor in pain. They go back in the locker room, pop the thing back into place, and DJ's back on the floor uh, in the third quarter. So we'll see. I mean, that thing's going to swell up, I'm sure. Hopefully they're just able to kind of splint it a little bit and he's able to stay in there because Magic need DJ off the bench. The Magic bench is kind of kind of humming right now. They're sort of finding their rhythm with DJ leading the charge, and we saw Markel right now. He's clearly settling in to the starting lineup, so the team looks really good right now. I mean, that was a 4-1 a homestand. You beat a couple good teams. Now you got to take that show out on the road, and I mean, it's, it's going to be a tall task, certainly, this four-game road trip, kind of through the Midwest, through Toronto, and then through the Midwest, and the hard part's at the beginning. Toronto on Wednesday night, and then the Pacers on Saturday in Indiana. That'll be a couple tough games. The Magic can just get, what, a 3-1 and one or a 2-2 two and two split out on the road. I think they'll take that, certainly, uh, with a big road trip early on this year. My name is Jake Chapman. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at Magic underscore Radio. You can follow me, at Jake Chapman OM. We'll be back next week with another edition of Magic Weekly. Have a great week, everybody.